Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. This is America with Rich Valdez, powered by PolitiWeek.com. And Rich Valdez is with us, former Christie administration official. You work for Chris Christie, you've been in politics, done a lot of public service stuff. Rich Valdez, columnist now with the Washington Times. This is America. Richie V, you're on the air with the nation. The nation. This is America with your host, Rich Valdez. What's up, America? What's going on? I am Rich Valdez, at Rich Valdez with an S on all the social media. El Conservador, Richie V, Mr. Call Screener, your liberty-loving Latino amigo, and we're right here 17 blocks away from Madison Square Garden in New York City. And today we're talking about billionaires, some bombshell reporting from the Just Facts Institute, and big tech. There's a whole lot of big tech, uh, big tech stuff that I want to talk about. And I want to jump right into this stuff with the billionaires. And something caught my eye this morning, and it was that Oprah, Trump, and 49 other billionaires were dropped off of the Ford's 400 list. And I think, man, isn't this the proof, right, that everybody was like, oh, but Trump is whining, dining, pocket lining, like my guy Sliwa says, making himself rich with his hotel and with this and with that. And it turns out, I've been telling you for quite a while, he lost over half a billion dollars. And because he lost some money with his business as well, guess what? Donald Trump is no longer on the list of the 400 richest billionaires that's put together by Forbes magazine. And I'm thinking, wow, that's really something. Check this out. It keeps getting harder and harder to make the Forbes 400 list of the richest people in America. The cutoff for this year's list climbed to a record $2.9 billion, up from $2.1 billion just last year, knocking 51 people some of the most famous faces in American business, right off of the list. Among the 51 moguls to fall out of the ranks, 31 of them are actually richer than they were in 2020. Wow, thank you for that Trump economy. That includes tobacco billionaire Brad Kelly, Columbia Sportswear CEO Timothy Boyle. Both got hundreds of millions of dollars and became wealthier over the past year, but were outpaced by newcomers like Brian Armstrong of Cryptocurrency Exchange and Coinbase. And George Kurtz of cybersecurity firm CrowdStrike. Oh, we know CrowdStrike. Seven drop-offs saw no change in their fortune since last year, and 13 are actually poorer. An additional five members of last year's list passed away, making the turnover for this year's list 14%. And you could read the rest of this article, but the key part I wanted to talk about was for the first time in 25 years, Donald Trump doesn't appear on the Forbes 400 list. His fortune currently stands at an estimated $2.5 billion, 400 million below the cutoff. So everybody said, oh, he did this, he did that, he's trying to enrich himself. BS, he was trying to save America and he's still at it. And God bless him for doing it. And I think that's the part that people miss. You probably won't see this widely reported other than a couple of maybe uh, drive-bys to say, oh, you know, good for him. I'm glad he's off the list. He doesn't deserve to be rich, blah, blah, blah. And then somebody else will turn around and be like, tax the rich. We need to tax him. That's what we need to do. All BS. They constantly attack the rich. Janet Yellen, Secretary of the uh, Treasury, out of control. She doesn't care if, if Trump is on the list or off the list as long as she can... Uh, keep skimming that money in and keep printing the money 
inflating our our um, the the dollar and eventually devaluing it. This is the problem that we face. Now, mind you, there's a whole lot of things going on, right? So you've heard, or maybe you haven't heard, about these um, freight liners, these uh, huge ships that are hanging out off of both coasts and are not coming into America. And people are warning, we're not going to have what we need for Christmas. There's a little bit of leverage going on, right? They're saying, oh, you want your goods, everything that's on these ships? You want it in October? Well, you may not get it until January. And why are they doing that? Because uh, from what I understand, the longshoremen are having some negotiation for an upcoming contract. Now, I'm not going to say that this is strictly the, the fault of the union. It's always been my opinion that the unions have always reported directly to their Democrat bosses. So now we've got Biden pulling in a couple of favors to make sure that his buddies in the uh, unions are slowing down the economy. Now you say, Rich, why on earth would they do that? Why on earth would Joe Biden want to slow down the economy intentionally? Well, I put it this way. China, I know, invests in espionage. China, I know, invests in spies. And I don't think there's a single spy, not Fang Fang, not Swalwell, not anybody who's doing as good a job for China as Joe Biden. And Biden and company, I should say, right? Whether it's Hunter, whether it's the the administration, the Obama people that he's put in place, nobody's doing a better job for China than they are. They're absolutely uh, delivering each and every time, hand over fist, so that China can go and say, yep, yep, we're beating them. Trump might have beat us and put a a real hurting on us with the trade war, and he was doing his thing, but now we're going to work out the kinks in these tariffs. So what they like to call appeasement, I like to call doing a favor for China. When he says China's an adversary, but then his attorney general turns around and says that parents are actually domestic terrorists when they don't agree with their school board. Houston, we got a problem here. When Janet Yellen says that inflation is still transitory, that doesn't mean it'll go away in the next few months. It just means that it's slightly improving, but it could get worse. Dun, dun, dun. This is the problem. They don't give a damn. They create the problem. They come up with a phony solution and they think that everybody's going to fall for it. Anyway, listen to Janet Yellen. Check this out. Are you paying attention uh, at this point still to, to, to money supply growth? And do you think that this could ba- could come back to haunt us to some extent, all these dollars? Well, I still try to pay attention to what's happening in the economy. <laughs> um, I trust the Fed to uh, make the right decisions. Um, You know, we have been hit by an incredibly unusual shock. And um, in the one hand, we're almost six million jobs short of where we were before the pandemic, which means a lot of uh, people who still need jobs. Um, On the other hand, um, many firms are finding it difficult to hire. We've had extraordinary shifts in the pattern of demand away from services and toward goods. And I know the Fed is trying to sort through the implications of that. Supply bottlenecks have developed Mm -hmm. um, that have caused inflation. I believe that they're transitory, but that doesn't mean they'll go away over the next several months. Of course, the Fed is going to sort through the bottlenecks, right? Secretary Yellen. Unbelievable. I mean, this is really ridiculous. Ships are saying no thank you. Yellen is literally cutting her nose off 
just to spite her face, us, the American people. The cost of gas is through the roof. So there's less shipping to begin with. People are going on less vacations. Then the whole FAA debacle, right? Their current stats are showing that unruly passengers are on the rise. So what does that mean? That means that there's more drama in the air because people are so tense, probably because of masks. But listen to this. To date, there have been 4,626 unruly passenger reports from flight crews and Of that report, the amount that were mask-related incidents, 3,366 of them. You can't make this up. This is from the FAA. So you tell me, do we have a problem? Of course we do. And then on top of um, Janet Yellen's comments saying, no, 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 we're not done with inflation yet. We're going to stick it to you a little more. We got this one. Yellen defends IRS rule requiring banks to report all transactions over $600. This is from October 5th. New York Post, listen to this. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen defending a Biden administration proposal that would require banks to report data on IRS transactions over 600 bucks. Now, you heard about that last week, but now she's doubling down. And she's saying the collection of this information is routine. After taking heat for the idea, that's widely seen as unprecedented and an invasion of privacy. During an interview on CSNB, uh, excuse me, yeah, CNBC's Squawk Box, on Tuesday, Yellen was pressed on whether the IRS had the wherewithal to collect more information about taxpayers and bank accounts, including cash flow, because Republicans said it was so invasive. So while she's saying it's a routine practice, she's also saying, ah, listen, don't worry about it, because I don't think they could do more than what they're doing anyway. That's why they want to hire so many more enforcement agents. They think that you're dumber than dumb. And and that's the part that really gets me uh, ticked off. But anyway, she goes on. Here's a quote. Well, of course they do. Yellen said, right now, on every bank account that earns more than $10 a year in interest, the banks report the interest that's earned to the IRS. That's part of the information base that includes W-2s and reports on dividends and other income that taxpayers earn. So collection of information is routine. Yellen cited, the enormous tax gap in the United States is a reason behind the proposed tax hikes and information collecting, blaming this gap on places where information on income can be hidden, quote unquote. Yellen cited the enormous tax gap because she feels that there's too many rich people hiding money in places. And this is why she wants to get in your pocket. Because if you got more than $600, you're now considered rich. Yeah. She says, quote, it's just a few pieces of information about individual bank accounts. Nothing at the transaction level that would violate any privacy, she said. The collected information would ostensibly help the Treasury Department determine which high-income wealthy individuals may be concealing transactions and income. Okay, so high-income wealthy individuals, transactions of $600 or more. So a family of two or three or four goes on vacation and rents a car for a week, you're going to spend more than 600 bucks. Somehow you're now considered high-income wealthy individuals. She says, quote, These would be helpful indicators of where it would make sense for auditing to occur. So now they want to audit the family of four for going to Disney. So it's not reporting of individual transactions or anything like that. And it would be a simple thing for banks and other payment that providers could offer, blah, 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 blah. Obviously, Republicans are taking umbrage, and they should. Everybody should take exception to this because if you make more than 600 bucks and you've got more than 600 bucks in the bank and you make a transaction for more than $600, you're on the radar. The IRS is now checking you out. 
Just because they report on data on this and data on that doesn't mean we have to continue to add more data and just say, well, just, you know, because that's like saying, look, right now you're currently paying a tax, you know, on New Jersey, for example, right? On New Jersey water usage, you pay for water to the water company, right? You also pay MUA, Municipal Utilities Authority, that's sewage, right? So you got to pay for clean water, you got to pay for dirty water. Now, imagine them coming and saying, well, you know, there's also going to be uh, an, an excise fee or uh, a usage beyond X amount fee, et cetera, et cetera. Well, you're already paying for that. You're, this is just another, right? Another piece of data, another tax, if you will. And I'm not saying that the, the data collection and the tax are synonymous. I'm just saying when you monetize it, yeah, doing one more anything, if it's going to cost you money, you don't want that. So clearly, this is not something that anybody should be opting in for saying, yeah, no, because my $600 transactions are clearly going to help the federal government catch guys like Bill Gates or guys like uh, Jeff Bezos that are moving money all around and making all sorts of money doing what they do. And again, I'm not saying that they're criminals. I'm just saying they're billionaires and they've got tons of money and they have these big companies and they know how to, they play the tax game better than anybody. Like just like Trump. Trump always said, it makes me smart. It does. And I'm sure if I was rich, I'd be just as smart or I'd hire the guys that are just as smart to get me through that. Point being, when they're so flippant about this and they're saying, you know what, this is what we got to do. This is how we're going to do it. And they don't give a damn about distrusting you, the American people, so much that if you buy a couch or a cow, said one uh, Republican member of the Senate, that we need to know what what, what kind of money you're spending. Because clearly you're going to spend 600 bucks on a couch or 600 bucks on a car or or a cow, I should say. I've never bought a cow. But you get what I'm saying. This is the problem. You combine that again with not getting goods, the cost of goods soaring, gasoline going through the roof, airline prices going through the roof, and people getting into all sorts of fights, little kids and moms getting kicked off of airlines in the name of the almighty mask, and this is a recipe for disaster. So don't move a muscle. Keep it locked right there. Straight ahead, Jim Agresti from the Just Facts Institute is going to talk about his bombshell research on masks and aerosols and everything else. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America. This is America. Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. This is America. In times like these, it's so important that we focus on the facts. I always tell you to focus on the facts. I think you hear that everywhere you go, and that's because facts are irrefutable. It's the bottom line. It's the real deal. And in times like this of uncertainty, we need to rely on the facts. I get my facts from JustFacts.com. That's F-A-C-T-S, JustFacts.com. Go to JustFacts.com and sign up for their newsletter. JustFacts.com forward slash rich. Just put my name in there and you'll get it for free. JustFacts.com slash rich. 
This is America. All right, America, welcome back. Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all the social media. And as promised, we've got Jim Agresti. James Agresti is the uh, head of Just Facts. The Just Facts Institute is, in my opinion, the preeminent nonprofit think tank that is uh, outside of Washington, D.C., looking at so many different public policy issues. We're proud to call them a partner. And they just released some really, really heavy-duty research on masks. And we're going to get into that with Jim Agresti. But I'm looking at this piece, foxbusiness.com. It says, FAA stats show that unruly passengers are on the rise. And I'm thinking, has to be because of masks. Now, we'll get into that story a little bit later. But the bottom line is people just don't want to fly anymore. Gas prices are extremely high. And then you have to wear a mask and little kids are getting kicked off of planes. And it's just disastrous. And then we find out from this bombshell reporting, this bombshell investigation, this bombshell research from Just Facts, that guess what? It's not all it's cracked up to be. Jim Agresti, welcome to This is America. Rich, great to be with you. So, Jim, I read, it was 54 or 57 pages of research. I didn't read all 54, 57, but I did look at the summary, and it was um, really, really, really cut and dry to me that it made a ton of sense. If it's an aerosol, it's going to get through most masks, including bandanas and those little blue ones and all of that. So I'm not the expert here. You definitely are. Break it down for us. Sure. So the CDC, the World Health Organization, and other government agencies enacted mass mandates based on the false assumption that COVID-19 is mainly spread by large respiratory droplets that um, quickly fall to the ground and are contained by masks and also blocked by these plastic barriers that were put up all over the place in stores and whatnot. But throughout all this, research was coming out showing that COVID-19 is mainly transmitted via tiny microscopic respiratory aerosols that are far, far smaller than the holes in the mass. What do I mean by far, far smaller? Well, 90% of them are less than a micron in diameter. That's about one twenty-five thousandths of an inch. Uh, but the pores in the finest Surgical masks are 17 times that size, and the pores in the finest cloth masks are 80 times that size. Now, here's the kicker in all this, Rich. They knew all this even before the COVID-19 pandemic. When I say they, I mean the academic community at large, because it was published in peer-reviewed journals. This isn't just the case for COVID-19. It's the case with every infectious respiratory disease. Mm. So... They enacted these mass mandates based on a false assumption. Not only that, by refusing to acknowledge these, these tiny aerosols, uh, you need special mitigation measures for these, not masks. And they did not use them in hospitals. They did not use them in nursing homes. And we saw what happened there. Well, this is a remarkable, uh, uh, I guess, um, conclusion that you've come up with here because this is something that was argued by many, and I actually remember a doctor telling me, and there was debate about it, one doctor saying, look, for masks to be effective, you have to like use double-sided tape and maybe even put two of these N95 masks on to really be uh, foolproof against uh, the type of um, aerosol infectious disease that's you know associated with COVID-19. And 
I think by and large, most of the media just didn't pay attention, didn't really care and was like, oh, no, no, that's that guy's opinion. What does he know? You know, doctors are using these types of masks all the time and they're just fine. That's what you got to wear. You just got to wear the mask. Any mask will do. Put on a bandana, cover your face, do what you got to do. And it seems that it, it seemed kind of cart before the horse or rather perfunctory in many ways. It was as long as you were wearing masks for the sake of where the government were telling you to do it, then that's a good thing. And of course, the other argument is, was it for the sake of, of government control and, and government compliance? Or is it because they decide, you know what, uh, we're just trying to do our best and we're just not sure. How do you land on that, Jim? I can't read their minds, but I can tell you this. The data was available. You had scholars screaming, essentially, at the top of their lungs saying this. You had 239 scholars publish an open letter in the journal Clinical Infectious Diseases, and a respected peer-reviewed journal, telling the public health agencies, you're getting this wrong, and here is the evidence. Uh, I have 20 uh, different uh, peer-reviewed journal papers cited uh, on this research at JustFacts.com that details showing this, this was a fact. And you had people actually on the WHO Transmissibility Committee who told the New York Times, one of them in particular, they're being totally stubborn about this. They, and another one who said anonymously to the, in the same Times article, these people will die before they admit the truth about this. And, and this is the thing. That proved not to be true. They did admit the truth about it. In the spring of 2021, within a span of a week, the World Health Organization and the CDC changed their website, web pages on how COVID-19 transmits to include aerosols as a primary mechanism of transmission. Now, given all the decisions that were made based on them claiming there, it wasn't aerosols, it was primarily droplets, you would think this would be uh, accompanied by a big announcement and fanfare. Instead, what they did is they just quietly changed the web pages We've got it documented. We've got links to the archives on the Wayback Machine showing what they did and on the day they did it. And the CDC in particular, when they did that, they deleted a statement that was previously on the page that said, if this is being spread by aerosols, we need special engineering controls. Hmm. They just vanished that statement because it, it implicates them. It's saying, holy cow, we screwed this thing up big time. Now we need to correct it. And instead of being forthright about it, they basically played CYA. You know, and this to me is part of uh, the bigger issue of what the problem really is. Obviously, there's this uh, pandemic and there's a public health crisis, all of that stuff. We know that. But when you have the information and, and you don't make a big deal about saying, hey, look, we've got this new information and, and we need to switch this up or go after new masks. And they just kind of make this quiet update. And the CDC did similar with their guidance. They do similar with even with uh, some of their numbers. They'll say this today and that tomorrow. We've seen what happened in Florida where they over-report things and then correct it later. Oh, my bad. And, and it, it just makes me, at least, maybe I'm, uh, I'm wearing my tinfoil hat, but uh, I tend to think maybe there's something more to it than just making a mistake in real time. But I think it's, um, it's reckless at best, nefarious at worst. It's fatally negligent is what it is. This bad guidance they gave people, they gave the world, killed untold numbers of people. And, and they're not even saying my bad. They're just changing it and pretending nobody notices. Yeah. 
without even, hey, by the way. Now, Jim, this is a crucial research, and I urge everybody that's listening, make sure you go and check out this report. It's on JustFacts.com. You can sign up for free, by the way, JustFacts.com slash Rich. That's my first name. And give them a, uh, a visit because you, there's a lot of things that JustFacts does, and I'll take a minute to just uh, talk about it because it, it's helpful to me. When I'm doing show prep and things like that, and I, tidbits, facts, whatever, there's so many really good tidbits that come out of your Just Facts daily, not only the emails, but the tweets. And if you're not following Just Facts on Twitter, please do. But I think the um, the, the question of the day is is one of the, my favorites that I look forward to. And, and I know that there's new research coming. So I guess maybe in the next uh, minute and a half or so, tell us about what goes into putting together this um, question of the day. And then um, also maybe tease what the next big report's going to be. Sure. So the question of the day is, is an app initiative. We, like Rich said, we put it out on, on, on Twitter and Facebook. And it, we just look at the news. Every morning I wake up, I see what's going on in the news. And then I say, think to myself, what fact would help illuminate this issue? Particularly one that's not commonly out there, which is often the case, the most important facts the media isn't putting out. So we, we use a, a simple Socratic method. We ask a question. We give people multiple choice answers. You submit it. You get to know whether you're right or wrong. And then we provide the rigorous documentation to show, hey, hey, this is the facts. Uh, insofar as what's next um, today and, and for the last couple of days, I have been going through the FDA's approval of the Pfizer vaccine, Pfizer COVID-19 vaccine. And there is some information in there that is absolutely stunning. Uh, I don't want to tease it without getting into too much, but mm -hmm. uh, I, I'm telling you, it is unbelievable what I found in there. I looked for quotes of this elsewhere. I wasn't able to find it, but it's directly from the FDA. There's no disputing it. And I think uh, it's, it's really buried in there. So I don't think a lot of people are noticing it or have the background to understand what it means, but it's super, super important. All right. Well, uh, that's a cliffhanger. And now we have to put you on the hook to make sure that you come back to break it down for us. When do you think we could expect that, Jim? I'm hoping to have this thing published by the end of this week. Excellent. Well, we'll keep an eye out for it and we'll have you back on to break it down because uh, there's been such big debate, very robust uh, conversation about natural immunity and how that plays into the vaccine. And there's just a lot of questions about these vaccines that were one and done. And now they're saying there's boosters and now they're saying little kids. And it's just a lot to, I think, to uh, uh, digest at any given time. But Jim Agresti, president of the Just Facts Institute, my favorite think tank outside of Washington, D.C. You guys are absolutely the best and let everybody know where they could find you and take a look at other research that you've done. Uh, check us out at JustFacts.com. We have a fact check website at JustFactsDaily.com. And we have a new initiative called Just Facts Academy. That's at JustFactsAcademy.org, where we teach people the research skills, particularly high school and college students, how to really separate out fact from fiction. They're really vital skills. And it's all packaged in videos that are very entertaining and fun. I highly recommend that if you're a student or know someone who is, or a teacher. Excellent. Well, make sure you check that out, justfactsacademy.com, justfacts.com slash rich, where you could sign up for the free uh, uh, question of the day and all of the other incredible research that you guys have done over the years. Jim McGresty, thanks for joining us. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, Rich. Appreciate it. Anytime. Now, straight ahead, we're going to get into everything else that's going on today right across the country. Don't move a muscle. Keep it locked right there. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America. This is America. 
Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. This is America. Bienvenido, America. Welcome back. Rich Valdez at Rich Valdez with an S. Thank you so much for subscribing to the podcast. Those of you that are listening on iHeartRadio, thank you. Big shout out to each of you, especially everybody that leaves a comment or a five-star review, recommends the show to a friend. All of that stuff adds up and it really does matter. So thank you, thank you, thank you. God bless you. And I want to talk about big tech in this segment. We talked about... Billions. We talked about the bombshell report from James Agresti from the Just Facts Institute. And now I want to talk about big tech because what is going on in Congress, right? We saw the FB, quote unquote, whistleblower. And there was one thing that she said that really caught my ear. And uh, well, actually, maybe two things. And um, we'll play the audio of it if I get it in time where she talks about young girls getting misinformation when they look for things like healthy eating and they end up getting information on anorexia. Part of why Facebook needs to come out and say, we did something wrong. We made some choices that we regret is the only way we can move forward and heal Facebook is we first have to admit the truth. Like the way we'll have reconciliation and we can move forward is by first being honest and declaring moral bankruptcy. But I got the transcript and I agree that social media is a haven for misinformation, for lots of things, not the least of which is information that could be harmful to young people. See, when we were young, there might have been a bully, but everything was isolated. It was a phone call. You could kind of trace it back until there was this thing called caller ID, and then you could block the call, star 67, all of that stuff, right? And now we have this just massive network of people where you've got 15, 16-year-olds that have, you know, 1,000 friends, 10,000 friends. People are incredibly popular online because they don't really know each other. And I know this to be true because my kid who has a private Instagram account, it's not a public account, and she's 16 and she has a handful of friends and she does know a lot of people and she's loquacious and gregarious and very outgoing and, and a little bit like me sometimes, maybe even funnier. She's a really uh, comical kid and great sense of humor and she knows a lot of people and she's a cheerleader. So when you um, play the other team, she makes friends with some of the other cheerleaders and I get it that there are many people that she's actually met, but there's also people that you know you meet, friends of a friend, and they don't know. and. What I, I bring all of this up because there's times when we'll be at the mall or something and she'll be like, oh, I know that person from Instagram. And, you know, we're, we're friends from through another friend that I actually know from that next town over or two towns away. And they always say the same thing. Wow, I thought you were taller because <laughs> she looks taller in her photos, which is funny because she's, you know, she's a little one like me. But I guess the, the gist of it is it can be a good thing and it could be a bad thing. And, and the kids that are getting bullied, the kids that are getting the misinformation, the kids that, you know, are latchkey kids that don't have parents home, that may only have one parent instead of two parents, whatever the case may be, uh, that don't have that person that's a sounding board, an older sibling, somebody that's going to say, you got to look out for this stuff. Well, they're in bad shape. And this uh, quote unquote whistleblower or propagandist, I don't know, honestly, her angle here, uh, seems like they're trying to strong arm Facebook into paying some new taxes and they want to do it by way of some sort of oversight board and maybe impose taxes or what we'll call fines 
to be uh, politically correct with Justice Roberts and get money out of Facebook. And uh, that's to me, this looks like political retribution through and through. But there was a bunch of clips, a lot of things that she said. And she talked about Facebook's moral bankruptcy. And I think a lot of what she said um, is probably true. What I'm saying is I'm doubting her reason for being there. I don't know that her moral compass just one day was like, oh, wow, this is really, really bad. I got to tell everybody about this. But her name, Frances Hogan, I think I'm saying it right, H-A-U-G-E-N. Maybe it's something else, but H-A-U-G-E-N, Hogan, it looks to me, and that's what I'm going to say. She talks about a bunch of different scenarios about information, operating in the shadows, uh, profit in exchange for safety, leveraging their 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 morality for profit. And then she gets into this one where she talked about the um, what I mentioned before, the clip where she discusses, the word is escaping me, where you starve yourself, anorexia nervosa. But she goes on in this vein of, of this being harmful to kids. And I'm looking at the transcript. She says, when I was in high school, you know, most kids have positive home lives. It doesn't matter how bad it is at school. Kids can go home and rest for 16 hours. Kids who are bullied on Instagram, the bullying follows them home. It follows them into their bedrooms. The last thing they see before they go to bed at night is someone being cruel to them. Or the first thing they see in the morning is someone being cruel to them. Now, look, I get that. I don't feel bullied by the leftists that do that to me on Twitter or Instagram, Getter or wherever it is. Uh, I take it as a grain of salt, honestly. Um, like they say, your haters are your motivators. And, you know, I laugh and I keep it moving. But, yeah, I've seen that. The stuff does follow you around. The last thing that they see, all right, but when they wake up and when they go to sleep. And she says, think about how that's going to impact their domestic relationships when they become 20-something or 30-something, to believe that people who care, to believe that you're actually going to care about people who are mean to you. And she goes on and on and on and on. But I'm not going to write that off completely. You know, I know they said back in the days, you know, I'm rubber, you're glue, whatever you say to me bounces off me and sticks to you. Easy to say, but clearly words may not be violence, but words can be hurtful, especially the younger the child, the more they hurt. So I look at all of the totality of this and I think, The government has been abusing big tech and big tech may be abusers in and of themselves, but the government's abusing them to do whatever the hell they want. And they do it with any business. All right. Chances are you probably work for a company that's probably required you to take a vaccine, not because they're upstanding global citizens and they are stellar in the area of corporate responsibility. Nope. Probably because Joe Biden and his team picked up the phones in in August in late July and said, you know what? We need you to get on board with this because we're going to push this OSHA thing and we need you guys to kind of be the tip of the spear and we'll come and back you up because we can only do it for companies of 100 or better and blah, blah, blah. And they think that this is their, you know, great workaround. But I mean, there's a bunch of stories here. I mean, look at this. Government orders Google to track anyone searching certain names, addresses, and phone numbers. Wow. All right. Now, if that's part of a larger search warrant, and it is a search warrant, I mean, like, you know, let's just say during the hunt for bin Laden, you're searching for bin Laden. If they want to do that, that's fine. Sounds nonsensical to me, but I get it. I remember back in the days, people that had visited the White House told me they'd met people and the uh, Secret Service had told them, you can't even yell the word fire anywhere around um, the uh, White House or they'll tackle you. And I met somebody who actually in the 70s was tackled because he was joking around with his friends and yelled, get out of here, freaking throw a bomb at that thing. And they tackled the guy. So... I get it. And I know they listen in on phone calls back in the days and now they listen in on everything through the internet. So the fact that they're saying there's a warrant means, hmm, there's a little more. But this is in the uh, UK Daily Mail. 
says accidental leak reveals U.S. government has secretly hit Google with keyword warrants to identify anyone searching certain names, addresses, and phone numbers. Investigators are secretly using keyword warrants to help track down criminals. It depends who it depends now. Who do they define as a criminal? The relatively new style of warrant orders Google to track and provide user data on anyone who searches specific names. I mean, to me, this seems like they're making a list for a future, I'm going to use Gestapo for lack of a better word, but depending on your brand of conspiracy, you may think that this is the future SS in the making, uh, the future UN policing, whatever you want to call it. I mean, everybody's got a theory on this stuff. I just think it's not for the government to have. But that's what that's who has it. That's who's looking for it. That's who's got it. Now, Google uh, defends their decision responding to the government's keyword search, saying that they are protecting users when doing so. Oh, OK. I don't know. It's like saying, look, I'm only punching you in the face. I am not going to do any elbow drops on you, putting all my weight behind it, because that may hurt you a little bit more. It might break your orbital bone, break a nose. I'm just going to punch you. It's just going to lump you up. Trust me. That's all you're going to have is a big bump on your head. To me, that it, this is ridiculous the way they try to defend themselves. Both the FBI and Department of Homeland Security have been cited as the entities that have or may be using these keyword warrants. Now, another piece, Instagram promoting those pages of glorified eating disorders to teen accounts. So when these people are finding um, you know, healthy food and they look in their search page and they find this stuff, they're getting other stuff. And some of the accounts that I was mentioning before, just to circle back on that, one of them is called I Have to Be Thin. Another one's called Eternally Starved. Another one's called I Want to Be Perfect. Those are just some of the names of the accounts on Instagram and the algorithms that promote them are pushing 13-year-old girls and others who express an interest in weight loss and dieting. And that's crazy. And I'll share this article, even though it's from Fake News CNN. I, uh, I think it, it's relevant, maybe because I'm the dad of two teenage daughters, but I see this stuff all the time. Lots of girls make themselves sick over these things. And it's not even about the girls so much. I mean, obviously, it's about their health, but it's about how these algorithms are just driving people in the wrong direction. You know, it's like saying, let's say you look for something, uh, liberty or freedom, and it brings you to, you know, one of these radical organizations that wants to overthrow the government. And then they're like, no, you're one of them. No, I'm not one of them. I really believe in liberty. Right. So I think it, this is one of those situations where we can't look at this stuff and we can't um, uh, allow it to just go unchecked. We need to figure out what's going on. So as a parent, check your kid. Make sure your kid knows how to get through this stuff or don't let your kid use that stuff. I mean, that's obviously one way of doing it. But another one, Snapchat launches a new program to help young people become political candidates. Now, listen, on its face, this is a really, really good story. Right. It's by Andrew Hutchinson on social media today. Listen to this. Over the past few years, Snapchat has been working to get its younger user base more involved in the political process through voting awareness stickers, polling location tracking, voter registration pushes, and more. Now, Snapchat's looking to take the next step in civic engagement by promoting its users and prompting them to this new politician page directly to influence political shifts. And this is called their new run for office mini it's designed to help Snapchatters engage in with democracy in an easy, native-to-mobile way. I'm not going to read the rest of this because I'm getting tongue-tied. I don't like the wording on it. But <laughs> the bottom line here is once you've been hit in the face a few times, you realize when you hear that Snapchat is doing this stuff, obviously this is to promote their political agenda, not a political agenda or to tell people to be more civic-minded, to tell kids that they should get involved in things. 
Of course, it starts that way, but it's always going to end up promoting what the left believes because big tech is a tool of the left because this is how it works. If you don't do our bidding, we'll do to you what we're doing to Facebook. And that's it. It's as simple as that. And they'll go one by one, Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook, WhatsApp. They'll go to every uh, technology platform they need to. Look at what happened to Parler, right? The government will put pressure on anybody it needs to pressure because they believe they have all the power. And that's where we're wrong, right? Obviously, he who's wielding the baseball bat is the person with the power. I used that example in the past saying, you know, if you're walking down the street and somebody with a bat tells you, hey, give me your wallet. The law says you have the power to protect your property and to, to maintain it. But if the guy swings his bat at you and breaks your rib, he's got the power. <laughs> so obviously, the government does what they want to do. Now, I'm, I'm not proclaiming that the government leaned on Snapchat and said, hey, you got to do this to influence people. But I am saying it wouldn't surprise me in the least. It's such an upside down world that that wouldn't um, come as a shock. Few things come as a shock. But like Bob Grant used to say, legendary OG broadcaster, New York City Talk Radio, it's sick and getting sicker. And my hope is that they'll try and balance out this Snapchat thing. And I'm going to tell my kids to get on there and start, you know, uh, getting as involved as they can and, and just pushing back against whichever side is prominent. I mean, if there's a bunch of radical Trumpers on there, uh, I, I'm going to fall to my floor, jaw to the floor, uh, just in shock. I doubt that. I'm pretty sure it's going to be a bunch of Bernie Sanders liberals that say things like we hate Hillary Clinton to try to justify that, you know, they don't like Republicans or Democrats. I get it. We we want that socialist um, mentality, that all out crazy AOC type of thing. But that stuff isn't helping us. And the perversion of our culture, the dumbing down of our universities and classrooms isn't helping. It isn't helping America. It's not helping society. It's not helping our children. This is why we have to stand up against this stuff. And I could honestly do another two or three hours on this, but I have time constraints, so I got to keep it tight. But I want you to tune in for the next show because I'm going to jump into some of these topics and go a little bit deeper. And I'm also going to talk about, well, you're just going to have to tune in and hear it. Hasta la próxima. If you stand for nothing, you will fall for anything. And the only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good people like you to do nothing. So make sure you do something, say something, and stand up for what you believe in. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America. This is America. 